Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Brent Sprankle, author of Billion Dollar Portfolio. And if you want to level up your relations, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Brent Sprinkle. Brent has worked as a commercial real estate broker and investor in Los Angeles for two of the nation's top firms, Bercadia and Sperry Van Ness, specializing in apartment sales. He brings more than 20 years of experience and expertise in assessing his clients' real estate portfolios, helping them achieve their objectives of exchange, expansion, consolidation, and disposition. Brent has been one of Bercadia's top 10 brokers for the last six years, with more than 350 apartment buildings sold. Guys, let me make sure you understand that clarification point. Not 350 units, 350 apartment buildings sold, and his sales of commercial properties have exceeded $1.2 billion dollars. He lives in Manhattan Beach, California with his wife and four children. Guys, it's going to be such a fun conversation with Brent. But first, really quickly, if you yourself are a seven or eight-figure entrepreneur and uh, you know that a podcast would be amazing for your personal brand and for your connections, your network, your knowledge base, everything, but you just don't know exactly how to get started, then let us do all of the hard work for you. Uh, you can head over to travischapel.com slash coaching. There's a quick application there. 
And uh, we work with select entrepreneurs who are doing big business in their business currently. And we help you install a podcast alongside your business. Um, and we'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if you might be a good fit for that. So travelshapple.com slash coaching, uh, fill out that quick application. We'll jump on a call, see if it might be a good fit for you. Brent, what's up, man? Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show. Thanks for having me on, Travis. Excited to be here. Happy to have you on. Happy to have you on. Um, Want to build some context here, um, hit rewind, and uh, talk about how you got to where you are now. So set the scene for us, Brent. Talk to me about 12-year-old Brent Sprinkle. Where were you? What was life like for you? What were your parents doing? All that good stuff. 12-year-old Brent Sprinkle was living in suburbs of Philadelphia probably, I don't know, playing with Legos or something that 12-year-olds do. Not very exciting. Went to college to get an engineering degree, got an engineering job in Los Angeles right out of college. It turns out, Travis, I was not a good engineer. I worked my way out of that business about three years into it. And sitting around wondering what I could do with my life, a friend of mine had bought a couple of apartment buildings and uh, was just basically sitting back on the couch, watching TV, collecting rents and living a good life. And I thought, this is a pretty good deal. And he said, well, yeah, but you need to have some money to buy these. So you should become a broker. You'll learn how to do it and maybe you'll make some money and then you can start doing your own investing. So that was what I did and got a job as a real estate broker to just so people understand the requirements to become a real estate broker, whether it's residential or commercial, is as follows. Can you get a real estate license? Do you have a car? Are you willing to work for free in hopes you can put a deal together? So I answered yes to all three of them. And uh, I said, okay, here's a desk, bring a computer in, and here's a telephone and make a ton of phone calls. And 20-some years later, I'm still here kind of doing the same thing somewhat. So that's kind of the evolution of how I got here in the last 30 years of my life, I guess you could say. So not sure if that completely answered that question. Of course, there were a few little things here and there that happened in between, but that's an easy, fairly straightforward summary. Why engineering? Was that something that you wanted to do? Was it something your parents uh, wanted you to do? Great question. No, my mom wanted me to be a, like all moms, a doctor or an attorney. Don't ask me why. I think when I was a kid, I liked cars. So when I was 16 years old, I, I liked cars. I liked, you know, trying to work on hot rod Chevys and stuff like that and tried rebuilding an engine and things like that and fixing cars. And I was just kind of interested in how things went together and how they designed things. So I mm. thought I was going to get a job, you know, designing cars or something like that. So I went to school for mechanical engineering. And while I was in school, I realized that it wasn't quite as exciting as I thought it was going to be. But I'm not one to quit something that I got started on. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to suck it up and make it through this four, four and a half years of engineering school. And I can always go to grad school later and do something else. So in my mind, I was going to go get an MBA and go work on Wall Street or something. But that didn't work out. And, you know, headed towards uh, becoming an apartment building broker in Los Angeles. So, yeah, well, it's, it seems like, you know, you you didn't you said you ended up getting a job and doing that though, right? You did that for like three years in your early twenties after college. Yeah. So right, right when I got out of school, I got a job with Hughes designing satellites out here in El Segundo. What, so was I went that, straight from college. Was that decision based on kind of the same earlier mentality of, Hey, I don't quit things. So let's see how this thing plays out. Or was it kind of like, no. man, what else am I going to do? Am I going to go get like an entry level job working 30 K a year for some other thing that is even less interesting to th than this? Like I'm kind of pigeonholed into doing this thing now. 
Well, I, I fortunately had a bunch of job offers and I was in college and it was like, okay, go work for some company in upstate New York, go work for some company in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, go work for some little rinky dink company somewhere also in Ohio in the middle of where I didn't want to live or a job uh, a mile away from the ocean in Los Angeles. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go try that and see how it goes because I can always get another job. But if I'm stuck in upstate New York or the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, probably not going to be a lot of job opportunities. Right. And I came out here for an interview in like early December and get off the airplane. It's 70 degrees and sunny. And I'm like, this is, this isn't bad. Yeah. Not I too can, shabby. I can yeah. Deal with this. Right. And like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how the job's going to be, but it's, you know, it's, it's a job and I can't expect any jobs to be amazing, but uh, I got to start somewhere. So, you know, took the job and, you know, that lasted three years, but I still stayed out here. So do I have regrets on that? No, I took a chance. And like anything, if you don't take chances, you're never going to get any worse. So, so true. that was one of the big chances I took in my life. Was there a big turning point in the job that made you be like, I am done? Or was it just kind of slowly eroding at your soul for three years? Oh, well, like I said, I was not a good engineer. So my first year and a half, I worked, basically, I thought it was going to be an exciting job, you know, working on satellites. Sounds like it could be fairly exciting, but they basically had me figuring out how to get a cable from one side of the satellite to the other. It was not very much fun. Yeah. And I did that for a year and a half. It was completely boring. And I, I said, I'm going to try to get another job at the same company. So I took a job working on a, on a, a satellite that was going to be used in the defense industry. And anytime you take a job that's going to be in the defense industry, you have to get a government clearance, which means that, you know, they check you out to do background check, make sure you're not a terrorist or you know part of some crazy organization. And they let you work in a project. Well, it turns out that my mother married a guy from Ireland, an Irish citizen. So because my mother was married to an Irish citizen, I couldn't get a clearance for the project I was working on. I don't wow. know why. So they laid me off. So here I am, 26 years old. I get laid off because my dad is not a U.S. citizen. And I'm like, now what can I do? Yeah. So that's just kind of the crazy, strange circumstances that led me to be where I am now. If that didn't happen, who knows? I Maybe I'd still be an engineer now, yeah. bored out of my mind. And, you know, at least I'd have a steady paycheck. But, you know, who, I, who knows, right? It's hard to say, but these things happen. And at the time, I tell people this, change never feels good. When mm -hmm. something happens, especially if you lose a job, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend breaks up with you, something happens and you feel like this is not fair, I'm a victim. Two thirds of the time, people are better off in the long run. It forces them to make decisions and make changes that they should have made prior. So in my situation, I was 26 years old, didn't have any debt. I could get by for a little while with a job that didn't have a salary. And it forced me to become successful because I had no one helping me pay bills. I had no, my parents weren't, you know, cutting me rent checks. So I had to live lean and mean for about a period of 12 months, 18 months, I think, before the commission started coming in. Mm. It's a very tough time in my life. Very, 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 very tough time. But after about 16, 18 months, started putting deals together, money started coming in, and it's been a good run since. Is it always easy? No. This is one of the most difficult competitive businesses that there is anywhere. Because there's no barrier to entry. Like yeah. I mentioned, all you I need is a say, car. Yes. 
Yeah, you get, getting a real estate license is, is is less difficult to getting a driver's license. So it's a joke. There's zero <laughs> barrier one. entry. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's the easiest thing to get. So it's it's anybody can do this. It's whether or not you can be successful and you can be disciplined and you can do something consistently every day when you're self-employed. You have to get yourself out of bed, even when things aren't going well. Get into the office pick up that telephone and do whatever prospecting, networking things you have to do to meet potential customers and just deal with constant rejection. I still deal with constant rejection, whether it's on the telephone, whether it's a client saying, I'm going to give my business to this other person and not you. You're constantly getting that and you just have to deal with it. It's something that never goes away. But if you're not losing deals, that also means you're not winning deals. So the two go hand in hand. It takes a lot of no's to get to a yes and we have to remember that. I tell people, well, three bad things happen to you today. That means one good thing's about to happen to you. And if that happens, if we have three bad things in business, three no's and one yes, we're doing really well. It's like a batting average, right? Yeah, right. The, the law of averages will always come into play. You got it. You yeah. got it. Yeah, there's always always a yes around the corner. So I, I did door-to-door sales for probably about five, six years before I got into podcasting. Wow. And I get asked the question a lot, hey, how do you deal with rejection? And so I'm going to phrase that same question uh, back to you, Brent, and ask you, uh, if you're talking to somebody that is trying their best to get into maybe an industry like yours, an industry like mine, or some other form of selling or some other form of, of income that they have more control or autonomy over, what's your best advice on how to get good at overcoming rejection? Well, I've just found that the best thing to do in general when you're in sales is don't spend too much time thinking about it. I see people, the telephone is there, they have an, an, a name and a number they're going to call, let's just say John Smith, and they have his phone number, and they know John Smith owns apartment buildings. Well, they're just, instead of just picking up the phone and calling John, they're sitting there trying to figure out what they own, when the last time they was, they bought something, when the last time it was, they sold something. And they spend five minutes researching this guy, probably not even getting good data, they call the guy and they get an answer machine as opposed to just picking up the call, winging it, pick up the phone, winging it, calling, hi, John, it's Brent Sprinkle. I see you own some apartment buildings. I have some buildings for sale. And just, you know, if, if you get hung up on, great. But you very quickly got in there and made a phone call to the person. And if the person hangs up on you, then you go to the next person and you pick up the phone and you call him. If you spend too much time thinking, oh my God, this guy hung up on me. This guy was a jerk. I, I'm never going to be able to be successful. Then you're going to overthink it. So the people that are successful are the people that are, I hate to use the word, they're machines, but they just go from one thing to the next. Yeah. They call a person, it doesn't work well. They call another guy, they get an answer machine, they leave a message, they call another person. The receptionist says the person's not in. If you call 30 people, you're going to get one or two or three people on the phone. One person might actually want to do business with you. It's Again, it's just the law of averages. It's just reality. And there's days, especially as a rookie, especially as someone new to any business, where you're going to get zero leads. And there's going to be days that you get one after another. And you're like, I can't believe this is happening. But the reason that you got those good days is because you had all those bad days. So what I tell people is, is you can't go on forever not being lucky. This It's not possible. This luck yeah. doesn't exist in this business. It's just called being ready when the opportunity comes. And if you're not prepared and you don't go through making those thousands of calls, you're never going to get to that point where you get successful. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have a great personality. You don't have to be the world's best salesperson. You just have to be there and ready and knowledgeable. People have to like you to a certain extent, 
but I've known some people that were not nice human beings. They were incredibly successful in the business that I'm in. So somebody figured out a way to justify working with that person. And almost everybody has the ability to do it. It's just doing it consistently and not getting discouraged. And the awesome thing about the law of averages, in my opinion, is that uh, your average doesn't have to stay the same. You know, when you do thousands of those calls, uh, for, for me, when I knocked on thousands of those doors, all of a sudden, your average starts going a little bit in the right direction. You know what I mean? It, do, it doesn't take you as many calls to get a yes yeah, as it used so, to take you, right? You're getting better in the process. It gets a little bit more encouraging when you're able to do business and a little bit less discouraging when you're not able to do business because you know that something else is coming around the corner. You get better. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be there. You just have to work really hard for it. When I was younger, there was a guy that worked with named Larry. And Larry told me that when he was younger, there was an old codger in his office that would show up for like three months of the year. He'd come in, he'd put some huge real estate deal together, and then he'd leave. Six months later, he'd come back in, work really hard for two months, put some other huge deal together, and then leave. And like the guy always was like top 10 broker in their company. And the guy <laughs> like was there for like four months of the year. Yeah. And Larry like was like, I don't know, 28, 26, pulled him aside and said, let's just make up the guy's name. John, John, how do you do it? And John looked at Larry and he said, I work really hard to find an easy deal. Larry's <laughs> like, what do you mean? He's like, I come in, I pound a phone. I'm just looking for like one deal. One person who has a big building they want to sell. They'll pay me big commission. They don't want some ridiculous price. I find a buyer. I put a deal together. That's it. I work really, really hard to find that one deal, the one easy deal. He's like, well, you work really hard to find all these little deals. They're a nightmare and you can't get them sold. And then they bog you down and don't give you enough time to focus on finding that one big, easy deal. So just a little tidbit, but work really hard to find easy deals. If you're in yeah. sales, you know, selling stuff where you make a five, $10 commission, it's going to be hard to make a living doing that. So you got to work in an industry where the upside is massive, where it might not be easy to put deals together, but if you do put deals together, they're going to pay out huge. And that's why I liked about commercial real estate. You know, someone gives you a $10 million building, they give you a 4% commission, you do the math on that. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And it's that same way in single family. These houses, especially where I live in, you know, Los Angeles, West Coast, they sell for 5 million, they sell for 10 million, these guys pay huge commissions. Now, I don't want the whole audience to sit there and start thinking it's that easy. Look how many people are trying to sell houses in Los Angeles. There's millions of residential house brokers. But there's a select few, maybe 5% of them, that make a ridiculous amount of money. If you can play in that business and be successful, you're going to have an amazing career and you're going to be very, very well off. So you got to pick a business where you think you can actually make some money if you're successful. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed 
survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent Fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So let's talk on the investing side for, for a yeah. second. Um, and I grew up in a real estate household. My dad's been a real estate broker since I was, I don't know, four or five years old or something like Great. that. Okay. And, uh, and so I always, you know, like to have conversations about real estate and, and what's good about it. And, uh, and especially the asset class as an investment. Um, so the original reason that you got into real estate in, on the commercial side was to learn about the multifamily apartment investing. And really in the last like I don't know, five, six years, I feel like multifamily real estate investing has blown up in terms of like a discipline to learn more and study about and like syndications and funds are popping up all over the place. Um, what's what's your advice when it comes to real estate investing? If somebody's like a total newbie listening to this, they have a little bit of extra cash, they want to park it somewhere, get it out of their bank account because Lord knows dollar is not going to be worth anything in the next <laughs> year. So if you want to that park- That is your, the news right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so what's your uh, kind of over, overarching advice there? Well, I did write a book about that, you know, billion dollar portfolio. You know, it's about these people that started with nothing and now have these massive real estate portfolios. So that's the first thing is, you know, you read up about people that have done that and how they got started. Yeah. So first that, thing is billion dollar portfolio. If you're listening to this right now, go pick up a copy. If real estate investing is in your horizon, if that's something you're interested in, which if you're listening to the show, it 100% should be then go pick up a copy of Brent's book right now while you're thinking about it and uh, and thank me later because there's not many people that have as much experience in this industry as Brent. So take his advice and go buy the book, which probably is investment point number one, right? Is first of all, invest in yourself before you take your money and go invest in other things. But anyway, so, sorry, so you, go ahead. You need to have a general understanding of how this business works. I mean, buying commercial real estate is unlike other investing because the, the returns are not huge. You know, people think they're going to go buy an apartment building and get a 90% loan and they're going to have an 8% cash flow. That's just fantasy. You're probably putting down 35, 40, 45% as a down payment. It's a very cash heavy industry. And that's a huge barrier to entry for most people that are new to the business. So I always suggest you start small buy a rental condo, just buy a condo somewhere with the idea you're going to rent it out. Just make sure the numbers work. And, you know, between the mortgage and the HOA and the property taxes, there's a little bit of money left at the end of the day to put in your bank account. You could start doing that, but you have to have some plan. How are you going to be able to increase rent? How are you going to grow the business? If 
you don't have the money to go buy something on your own, maybe go in with some friends. You're going to hear just by talking to people that you know someone's buying a small apartment building and they're taking investors in, maybe throw some money in on that, but then really find out whoever is buying the property. We typically call that the sponsor. Find out what their business plan is. What are they going to do? How are they going to raise the rents, et cetera, et cetera? How are they going to make this a really good investment? And at a certain point, you'll start doing your own deals and you start small and you work your way up. You don't have to buy a huge you know, shopping center in a, a location. You can buy a little tiny store in the middle of nowhere as long as you think it's a good tenant and that you can keep the place rented and keep the, the bills paid. So that's really what you have to do. You have to start small, don't reach too much and work your way up. It's just one deal at a time. And my entire, that, that book I wrote about is just simply about how these people started with one deal at a time and now have these billion dollar portfolios. It's, it's not a story about people that started out with millions of dollars and now have billions of dollars. It's people that started out with nothing because nobody wants to hear about the rich guy who got richer. They want to hear about the average guy who started with nothing. They were a school teacher, they were an immigrant, and now they have these huge real estate portfolios. But the stories are all there, how they all did it. What types of cautionary advice would you give to people about investing in real estate, especially right now in the state of the market? Well, prices are very high, especially for things that can be financed with uh, single family loans, because the single family market has just gone crazy, as everybody knows. So houses, condos, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, those can all get financed with very aggressive single family loans, which means those properties are all really overvalued. So I would suggest to just look at something that's what they would consider a commercial property, five units plus as apartments, an office building, a shopping center, a little single store somewhere. That's where you'd probably find your best bargains because those are not, they're, they're not going to be financed with some 90% loan. So someone's got to be have have some cash in, in their pocket. It's going to be less buyer pools, less competition, and you should be able to get a better deal. But again, apartments are very overvalued right now, so you have to be very careful. I'm not saying that apartments are not good to buy. I just bought a couple apartment buildings myself, so I'm still bullish on that market, at least in most places of the country. That was my next question: was which places of the country should you be avoiding? Well, I wouldn't say it's avoiding, but there's places of the country like. For instance, Los Angeles, where I live, I'm still bullish on the market long term. It's become very difficult to to operate a business here. The government is is really becoming very progressive, and they've actually today at three thirty, there's going to be a, a city council meeting. They're talking about lowering the annual amount you can raise the rents to one percent. So think about that. You can only raise a tenant's rent one percent in the building. Now your property taxes can go up, your insurance can go up, your water bill, your gas bill, but you can't raise that tenant's rent more than 1% a year. Hard to work with that. There's other areas like Phoenix and Texas where prices have just gone bananas. All the people that were buying in California have jumped on an airplane, they've flown out to Texas, they've flown to Arizona, they've flown to Nevada, to Utah, and they have they've just snapped up everything, and prices are crazier than they are here in Los Angeles. It's it's bizarre. So just have to realize if you're buying apartment buildings anywhere in the country, they're probably overvalued right now. But if you're a long-term believer and you think there's going to be population growth and rent growth and wage growth, then go for it. 
you probably will not get hurt as long as you think you can actually make some money on immediate cash flow. Don't buy a building just thinking you're going to maybe get lucky and be able to raise rents down the road. It needs to make money now with potential of making more money down the road. That's my suggestion for people. Have very realistic expectations. Yeah, Nobody gets rich in this business overnight. No one buys a property for you know, 300000 and sells for 800000 a month later. Yeah. It doesn't happen. They buy a building for a million dollars and maybe a couple of years later it's worth one, two or one, three. But you do that 30, 40 times over, you get rich really fast. Yeah. And and I like the your point too about buying for cash flow and not buying for the equity um, increase. You know, yeah, I'm it's sure just, that it's, it's just, a secure investment that no matter if the economy tanked next week, that you'll be able to sustain a certain percentage of your units rented out and uh, that you know that that certain percentage is going to cover the note that's on the property every Correct. month. As long as you can get that, then in 30 years, bet your ass it's going to be worth a lot more than it is. Yeah. Right I mean, <laughs> the issue is that people, they've been investing in stocks and you, you buy a stock for $30 a share and you hope it's going to sell for $40 a share. Yeah. And that's your entire business plan. Buy low, sell high. Well, yeah. commercial real estate, it doesn't really work like that. It's, you, you buy a property for a million dollars all of a sudden the deal might be worth one, three, but you can, you're not making any money off of it. You got vacancies, repairs, et cetera, and you're underwater despite the fact that the building's worth more than what you paid for it. It's the strangest thing. Yeah. If it was stocks and you bought something for $10, it's now worth 13, you'd sell it in a second. But sometimes with commercial real estate, it could be worth more money, but you've got some issues with the property and you can't even sell it. You can't rent it despite the fact it's worth more than what you paid for it. It's, just, it's a strange thing. So if the deals don't make economic sense, don't buy it. That's my easy piece of advice for people. So don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait is uh, the, the old phrase a, that I always like to hear. It's a long-term so. gain. Yes. A gain. Yes. It's a long-term business. You want to make money quick? Uh, I don't know. Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, and then take go your profits yeah. from that and go buy commercial real estate. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brent, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I, I want, want to get you going. I want to get you, you back Travis. to analyzing deals and doing everything that you do on a daily basis. So, Give us, uh, before we before we take off here, give us the place that you want people to go to connect with you the most um, and, and tell us exactly where you want us to go to pick up a copy of your book. Uh, the book, I've got a copy of it right here. It, it's on, you can just go to Amazon, you know, Perfect. Billion Dollar Portfolio, Brent Sprinkle. It, it's there to find me. Just go, literally speaking, go to my LinkedIn page and you could find me or you could just email me or call me. Uh, email address my last name followed by apartments. So sprinkle apartments with an S at the end at gmail.com and phone number. I had a couple of people call me last week that have read the book and liked it, wanted to talk to me. 310-621-8221. Again, 310-621-8221. So I make it easy for people to find me. I love that, man. And I, man, I tell people this all the time when, when, whenever we ask that question on the show and people give us their personal information like that, it's like, you guys, you guys just listened to Brent talk about commercial real estate for the last 20, 30 minutes. And uh, he's the expert in the space. And yet so many of you that are listening to this right now, even though you could benefit from it, are still not going to reach out to him. Don't be that person. Reach out, say what's up, make the phone call, shoot the email out. You never know what can happen. These people are giving you the way to access them directly. Take advantage of it, guys. That's why we have the podcast. That's why you're a listener. So Take Brent up on his offer, shoot him an email, shoot him a text, let him know that this episode impacted you in that way and go pick up a copy of his book over on Amazon, Billion Dollar Portfolio. Brent, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. 
I appreciate it. This was fun. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.